You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we are exploring some fascinating subjects today. In fact, a little bit later, we'll be talking about writings on an unknown history. What is that all about? You'll find out. But right now, let's talk about a few things. First of all, of course, we have last week's episode featuring Ken Thomas. Now, Ken Thomas is the parapolitical or conspiracy theorist of the ages. He covers quite a bit of ground, and that started a pretty active discussion in our forums. Now, <laughs> before, to be blunt about it, now I should mention here I've got a letter from somebody who's a longtime listener who says we shouldn't be talking about the forums. Oh, what? You know, we shouldn't be concentrating on the forums. You know, we really should not talk to the forums. We should keep that as a separate thing, leave it on the boards. But we're an interactive program. We embrace our forum participants. I mean, we we just had a, a, a wonderful roundtable with some of our active posters. Um, you know, we're we're trying to move the whole paradigm of talk radio into an interactive realm a la the internet so uh what's the problem uh, what do you think jim i think that what makes this show special is that we have that interactivity with our forums some shows they just take calls from listeners and that's it in our case because of the structure of the show and the fact that we do tape in advance we're not able yet i say yet to take calls from listeners but this way if you take calls the problem is that you can only take a few. If the show is popular, and we hope that we're very popular, you'll have lots of people fighting to get connected. So you may have 100 people calling you, but you can only take five calls. So therefore, 95 people are left out. With our forums, anybody can join. That's it. Anybody can join. As long as you follow a few simple terms of service, you don't get too abusive, you don't commit illegal acts, you get in there. It's just as simple as that. It's free. If you go to forum.thepowercast.com, you are on equal footing with everybody. Including us. We actually actively participate and interact with our listeners and our forum participants. Uh, it's very important for us to have a give and take, uh, a dialogue, established dialogues with, with folks out there who, like us, are really fascinated by the subjects that we cover. And the key thing here is that we participate. We don't simply hire some moderators who run the show for us. We have moderators. They're volunteers, and they help keep things going. But Chris and I go in there, and we do our own work. And we respond to people, and we talk to people, because we don't consider ourselves better than anyone else. In fact, you know, there are a lot of people there really a lot smarter than we are. So we work, Boy, work with say. them. <laughs> Well, they take me to school. Uh, we won't even get into that. But, but yeah, there are some very, very bright people at forum.theparacast.com. And we're not selling anything there. It's free. Okay? It's free. You join it. You participate or you don't participate. You could lurk. Sit back. Learn. Another comment from the person in question says, we shouldn't be negative about past shows. Well, if we get a guest who did a lousy job or didn't, demonstrate a knowledge of his subject or says some really stupid things we're going to say so that's part of what the power cast has always been whether it's been me or chris or a previous co-host when we have a show that didn't turn out the way we like we don't make excuses for it we tell you straight out we weren't happy 
If the guest yeah. was a disappointment, like a certain Werner Bach, who could it tell you? <laughs> we back engineer it, and you know we we dive in there with everybody else. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember one of our previous co-hosts. He once put up a note on the Powercast forum saying, "This show is so bad, don't listen to it." Now, maybe that was going a bit too far. We'd like to say, listen to the show and come to your own conclusions. I have a suspicion that particular episode in question got far more listeners because listeners were told not to listen. A little reverse psychology. It's something like that. It's like, I guess there are other shows out there, rival shows, who say don't listen to the Powercast for one reason or another. But we don't go on there and say don't listen to a show. Yes, we'll rag on coast to coast am because it's the number one show in the field it's because it has a number of failings that we'll criticize them for but we don't say don't listen to them you know we're in no position to say that listen to whatever show you want or don't listen to whatever show you want and if you don't like what we do don't listen if you like what we do we'll hope you will continue to listen there you go meantime you're working on a new book chris called stalking the herd right correct i remember the title very and good. You've been doing a lot of investigations of cattle deaths and mutilations. Anything new in that area? Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how some subjects in the paranormal, if you want to call cattle mutilations paranormal, I think the more I get into it, the less paranormal it appears to me. But a lot of subjects in this in this realm ebb and flow. And, you know, the whole idea of livestock deaths, uh, unexplained livestock deaths, have, have been around since the late 60s. And it, interest in it tends to ebb and flow. And for some reason, Gene, we've seen a, a real uptick in interest with the media in this subject. And I've, I've been um, contacted here in the last week or so by a number of programs in Canada, the U.K., the U.S., we're interested in doing segments on this particular quote-unquote mystery, and uh, I find it intriguing that you know for months and months nobody professed any sort of interest, and then in a single day, <laughs> I got all these phone calls. I've you know if I was Ken Thomas, maybe I'd be scratching my head, going, "Hmm." Well, I hear you scratching your head. What's that noise? Is that a scratch? Let's see. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. Let me scratch. Do you hear that? Not really. I, it just sounds like <laughs> silly microphone noise stuff. How's this work? Listen. Right. Did you hear that? Ooh, it feels good. A little higher. A little higher? Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, right there. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about psychic phenomena here. Chris is, what, 100 miles from me? And if you I could scratch his there. head... And that's a real head scratcher, I'll tell you. You know. Anyway, back to the back to the herd. Back to the herd. Well, I've been I've been posting uh, a number of videos that I've taken over the years. Uh, people have been dogging me for years. Why don't you have your video up on YouTube? And quite frankly, there's very little quality footage of real cattle mutilation cases up on the web. And um, because I am gearing up to um, publish a book, which I would hope to be the definitive look at demystifying the mystery of cattle mutilations, uh, which <laughs> we can talk about. But I've, I've gone ahead and I've, I've been slowly putting up some YouTube videos that feature some of my more intriguing cases that I videotaped back in the 90s. And uh, just to give listeners and viewers a sense of what it's like to be out in the field 
working with ranchers, working with law enforcement, and and documenting these very perplexing, head-scratching cases. We're going to have to look for some really good sound effects, some head-scratching sound effects. So whenever we have a head-scratching case on the PowerCast, ladies and gentlemen, we will have the head-scratching sound. I'll look for a good sound. We'll have to do that okay. because I don't think what I do. Here. That doesn't sound like anything, does it? It sounds preposterous. I mean, even, for example, in old radio, when they had the sound of hoofbeats, it wasn't a real horse, was it? Tell us about our guest for today. Fascinating stuff. Oh, boy. I am really looking forward to today's uh, Paracast episode. Richard Smoley is a graduate of Harvard and Oxford, and he is a, an extremely gifted writer, number one. He was an editor for Gnosis Magazine for quite a number of years, and he's written a book called Supernatural, and I'm telling you, Gene, this is going to be sitting by my bedside, slowly getting annotated with little sticky notes and underlines. This is really good stuff. This is one of the the more gifted writers, I think, that the Paracast has ever featured on on the show, and I'm really looking forward to getting his take on as he calls it, the supernatural writings on an unknown history. And this is right down the Paracast Alley. Richard Smalley, author of Supernatural, coming up next on the Paracast. This has got to be familiar if you live in a certain part of the country right now. Horrible weather can severely affect your ability to get to the office. Road closures, major traffic jams. But just because you can't make it into the office doesn't mean business stops. That's why I highly recommend go to my PC by Citrix. You can access your entire office computer from your home. So you don't have to risk a dangerous commute or worry about falling short on a project. You know, I love my copy of Go to My PC. It's my lifeline to my work computer from home. But our listeners can also try Go to My PC for 30 days. Visit gotomypc.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code PODCAST, then download the free app to your mobile device. That's gotomypc.com. Try it free. The promo code, ladies and gentlemen, is podcast. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. 
Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters. Antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power. Vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9. Beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster. Our own four-herb tea capsules and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Richard Smalley, author of Supernatural, joins us on the Paracast this week. The subtitle of the book is Writings on Unknown History, and it's a collection of papers that you did, Richard. Welcome to the show. And I think the, the cool thing to ask first is focusing so much of your life on occult or esoteric studies. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Any personal experience involved or just your interests flew that way? Um, well, I can't say that there have been any like really uh, mind-shattering experiences or any of that that would really stand out in kind of a conversion experience type way. But I have always had this sense of something deeper going on uh, than conventional reality would like to admit. Uh, I've had an enormous appetite for this uh, ever since I was young. So, and uh, I've investigated some of these areas, both uh, you know, in an intellectual way and in a um, experiential way. So, I have something to say about it. Have you had any personal experiences that you thought were just real unusual? Yeah. And this, in a way, uh, I mean, one that comes to mind is, gives a good example of some of the the things that I, I guess, would like to say about the paranormal. About 21 years ago, I was doing a story on uh, Native American spirituality, and I went to spend uh, a few days with a medicine man up in uh, Nevada, out in Nevada, or uh, the preposition is, and 
when I was leaving, he had one of his people uh, give me kind of a traditional blessing for my car on uh, uh, with tobacco, offering it to the six directions, which is uh, a pretty standard uh, Native American practice. And uh, I thought, well, this was all very nice. But I had a very weird experience while coming back, and I was this was in Nevada. I was living in California at the time, and I was going home um, over the Donner Summit in um, California. This was not, uh, you know, this was not a terribly uh, late in the season. It was like in the late September. I was in the fast lane. And right behind me, uh, kind of uh, pulling up right behind me, was this uh, red sports car. I thought, well, God, this is obnoxious. Um, so I, um, I'll just get out of his way. That's that. Um, so I did. I pulled into the slow lane. And the minute I did, a, um, a freak storm appeared, a freak snowstorm, which made the road very, very slippery. And right before my eyes, or behind my eyes, I saw uh, that sports car go right through a metal rail down a very, very deep uh, crevice. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, is this paranormal in, in some sort of, like, really occult sense? Well, not really. Um, you know, there's nothing there that happened um, that you know, defies the laws of nature as such. Um, this could happen to anybody, but I thought it, it was very, very curious and that, I, that I'd had it right after uh, going, uh, this experience with this medicine man, um, led me to think about it and to think there might be some connection. Um, so I guess I would, one thing I would say about paranormal experiences in general is they often take that form. They're not necessarily ghost apparitions. Uh, they're not necessarily UFO sightings, although people have those, as, as you know. But something kind of funny happens, uh, and you can never really quite place your finger on it, even though... You know, the logical facts kind of break down and, you know, well, there was a storm and there's storms over the, the Donner Summit and, uh, um, you know, I, I, um, was, uh, lucky enough to slow down and that kind of thing. But it was, it was curious to have had that after that, uh, uh, you know, uh, blessing by the medicine man's assistant. That sounds rather synchronistic. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, it was very, very peculiar. And um, this particular medicine man, uh, uh, whose name is Rolling Thunder, I mean, he's now uh, deceased, but he was quite well-known. And um, You mean well, as in I, Rolling Thunder Review and the Bob Dylan yeah, tour in 76? Yeah, that was named after him. And uh, he was friendly with a lot of uh, rock stars, particularly in the 70s. Um, um, but... You know, he was also known for having certain power over controlling the weather. Now, I had no reason to believe he called up that storm or anything like that. But it was, as you say, uh, synchronistic. It had a certain uh, kind of oddness about it that, you know, uh, led me to think, well, I guess the real conclusion I got was, <laughs> you know, you're, you're dealing with someone here who actually has real power, so uh, uh, don't do anything stupid or write anything stupid about him. Now, Rolling Thunder, wasn't he, uh, he was Lakota, correct? 
No, he was part Cherokee. Cherokee, uh, okay, a little was, south. He was more um, and you know, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I mean, he did live in Nevada uh, at the time. He lived in Nevada for a long time uh, and died, uh, I think, in the nineties. Uh, a new book has just come out about him, but uh, um, I don't remember the exact date. So, so have you done much uh, investigation and research into Native Native American spirituality and their there are particular interesting insights into what the rest of us would call sort of paranormal or supernatural sort of forces, energies, practices? Um, a little bit. Um, it's certainly not an area that I'm an expert on, but I, I've looked into it a little. And one thing I guess I would say is that there's this very strong sense in the, you know, the psychologist C.G. Jung noted this, that there is, in a sense, kind of a uh, spirit of place that uh, mm. uh, all of us share. He he wrote a curious essay called The Complications of American Psychology, in which, you know, essentially, you know, he was over here. He said he saw kind of Native American characteristics in, uh, you know, many people who are obviously not ethnically um, uh, from that background, it's an interesting area because I think it's 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 an area where kind of the dominant uh, you know majority culture needs to sort of figure out where exactly how do we fit in with the land. Um, we're not like Europeans, like the British. You know, the British have been there for thousands and thousands of years. Um, you know, they really go back to prehistory, despite various conquests and whatnot, and. Um, you know, although not everybody is like really into that stuff over there, you do get a sense of a much greater integration with the landscape than you do um, among Americans. You know, particularly you know people you know you know families have only been here like a few generations. So, do you think that that might tie into why uh, the UK is considered one of the more haunted places on the planet? There, there, I I seem to have read some pretty interesting sort of analogies of haunting sites and how uh, England seems to be just rife with them. They're, they're per capita, I think there's more haunted sites in, in England than any other place in the Western world. Do you think, do you think this, this tradition of being there for so many years lends itself to possibly layering uh, these types of uh, phenomenal uh, effects and events and, and occurrences uh, onto the populace as they progress through time? Richard's answer will come in a moment. We have Richard Smoley, author of Supernatural, Writings on an Unknown History. He'll answer Chris's question. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey neighbors, got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyn for DNS. Visit Dyn.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30% by using the promo code 
podcast 30 at checkout. Again, visit dine.com, that's dyn.com slash podcast 30. Check them out today. It's time for a home security quiz. Answer this. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $35? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. It's like a lamp on a timer, but far more convincing. And for only $34.95, Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. Go to FakeTV.com or call one 877 5 tv That's 877-532-5388 or go to FakeTV.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Lunch is ready. And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we're proud to be talking to Richard Smalley. He's author of Supernatural. It is a classy book. It reads classy and it looks classy. And Chris asked a question about the greater prevalence of unusual events, say hauntings, in the UK, Richard? 
Yeah, I lived in uh, the UK for uh, a couple of years as a student. That was my impression uh, that there was a great deal more of that, and uh, there's you know a great deal more lore about it. I think um, one reason, you know, in a sense, kind of practical is that the houses are much older. You know, uh, you know, for us, an old house is you know a house that's a hundred years old. Um, uh, in Britain, an old house. Yeah, that was just built yesterday. Right, yeah, you know, an old house, someone might, you know, well be living in a house that was built in the, the time of Henry VIII or something like that. And yeah, here, by the way, if you move into a house that old, it falls apart next week. It's so <laughs> yeah, different. well, there's, there's, uh, there's always that problem, too. I, uh, I, I'm not big on maintenance myself, so uh, I might not, I might not be the ideal person to, uh, to have a house like that. But I think, you know, if something has been inhabited for, you know, 400 years or so, there's a lot more uh, that's gone on. There are a lot more uh, deaths that have happened there. There are a lot more people who have gone through it, a lot more people who are likely to have left some kind of psychic mark or residue on it. So I think that, you know, is definitely part of the, the, the scene over there. And um, certainly not everybody, not every old house is haunted, but, um, you know, you certainly hear a lot uh, more stories about it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who's uh, has... Um, I think his father's family originally came from uh, the Dublin area, you know, told me about staying at this old house and uh, having this old man come into his room one night who uh, I guess was deceased. Well, um, that brings up to mind uh, China, India, parts of Africa where you have uh, very, very ancient dwellings that have been continuously inhabited for many generations. Do you see kind of a correlation between uh, the actual proximity and age of a dwelling and the amount of people that have, have cycled through there as perhaps lending itself to more of a prevalence of uh, potential haunting or, or residual uh, type psychic effects? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, what are the most haunted parts of the U.S. or, you know, what are at least thought to be the most haunted parts of the U.S.? Well, probably New England is high up there, and New England, uh, where I'm from, you know, has its own rather special, sometimes spooky feel of its own. Uh, and I guess the other place I would say that has a lot is the South. And, you know, those are both parts of the U.S. that have been inhabited uh, the longest. Not by European standards, it's still not very, you know, 400 years, not very long, but, you know, for us it's a long time. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, and in, in China and in India, um, they're, and, and, and this is a subject I'm interested in. I, I think one has to also take into account, and, and there aren't really words to describe this, but kind of the culture has its own psychic landscape, and in a curious sort of way, the beliefs, the uh, practices of um, culture create um, a certain kind of landscape where things are more likely to happen. Uh, you know, the spirituality of India is uh, quite a different place. And, you know, a lot of uh, events that we would consider very paranormal are, you know, uh, regarded, as, you know, in a fairly matter-of-fact way. And I have to say that, that part of the reason for that must be that, um, you know, the culture just accepts it so well. Whereas here, I mean, everybody, you know, uh, I mean, you have to at least pay lip service to skepticism, right? You know, you have to, um, you know, uh, if you don't kind of pretend to be skeptical, uh, people just think you're kind of credulous. 
Uh, <laughs> Boy, you should uh, visit the Paracast forum sometime. That's uh, that's an understatement. You know, uh, yeah, and and there's this, and you know, skepticism about the paranormal uh, has become kind of a quasi-religion in its own right, as you know. You know, and uh, the, a lot of the you know the so-called skeptics are you know they're true believers as much as uh, you know any any devotee of any religion is. Um, oh, here, here! Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you you follow this field, so uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, collective belief is is a very powerful thing, and I don't think it's very well understood, uh, and I don't think it's been very uh, well studied. I read a fascinating book um, a couple of years ago. It was by a Russian named Bekhterev. It was a psychologist uh, in the early 20th century who, um, the book was, it was entitled Collective Reflexology, and it was uh, a study of uh, how moods and impulses passed between crowds. And he sort of thought that there was almost like a, you know, kind of, a, kind of like an electrical impulse that, you know, could just pass through a crowd. Now, he lived through the Russian Revolution, and a lot of the anecdotes he describes of this Russian Revolution where, you know, people just suddenly kind of went crazy and, and killed somebody uh, for no apparent reason. So he had a lot of uh, material to study. Um, but I think we have to be a lot more serious in uh, at least recognizing that collective belief you know, has a real role to play in how we perceive reality and, and what uh, what we perceive reality to be. So would you be uh, saying then, would you be saying then, that the collective belief may in and of itself create some of that reality? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and it, it With 2012 and the Kali Yuga, I mean, uh, these are two chapters in your book that I, I found very fascinating. Mm -hmm. With all this media hype about uh, this 2012 and the end of the Mayan calendar, there's 19 calendars and none of them end, uh, mm -hmm. I digress, but right. where do we see a manifestation of this kind of riptide of belief uh, surrounding 2012? What are your views on that? Well, I think the 2012 phenomenon is very interesting in a way that, that's uh, often been overlooked. Now, in, in the West, you know, particularly since Christianity uh, triumphed, there's always been this very strong apocalyptic impulse, that is to say, this impulse to believe that the end of the world is at hand. There's even a website somewhere that, that kind of lists every year that someone predicted would be the end of the world. You know, there are a lot of years in the last two thousand years. <laughs> pages and pages and pages. Pages and pages, you know, not, maybe not every year, but pretty close to it. So is, there's this, again, this collective expectation of, you know, apocalypse. I mean, you can see, you know, the tabloids uh, play on it, you know, the, the kind of the more sensationalistic tabloids play on it. Um, and it's, it's very, very um, deeply ingrained in, uh, you know, the way Western people think. Now, at the same time, People, uh, the culture itself has been detaching itself from Christianity uh, much more than it, it was even um, a generation ago. Um, it, there's, you know, more people who identify themselves as non-affiliated. There's, uh, you know, religious belief, spiritual belief, may be as strong as ever, but it's certainly um, less and less linked to any kind of um, institutional or dogmatic belief. So, you have people 
who are, you know, uh, you know, a, a kind of a cultural collective mindset that, um, in, uh, you know, has this real background in apocalypse and expectation of the end of the world and kind of an increased kind of lack of interest in Christianity, which is the, you know, chief language in which uh, this has usually been uh, formulated. So what I find interesting about the 2012 phenomenon is that, you know, it is this kind of typical apocalyptic um, scenario. At least that's what it, it, it was turned into. Um, but for the first time in in Western history, the mythos behind it, was not Christian or Judeo-Christian. It was uh, not of a native culture. I'll tell you and what, I, we'll go into more of Mayan mysteries and all sorts of unusual phenomena. We have Richard Smalley. The book is called Supernatural. And you have the supernatural gene and the supernatural crisp. And it has nothing whatever to do with a TV show of a similar name. Because you're in the Paracast. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. (laughs) Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of world customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Is there a less expensive way to detoxify your body? 
Yes, microplant powder from HempUSA.org frees your body of toxins from vaccinations, pharmaceutical residues, heavy metals, parasites, and toxic chemicals in your food and water for around $10 a month. Microplant powder removes virus, fungus, and bacteria while cleaning and purifying the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. It unclogs arteries and softens heart valves. Plus, microplant powder can be taken with any liquid, any pharmaceutical, at any time. It's truly the easiest and most cost-effective way to clean and detoxify your body for around $10 a month. Microplant powder from HempUSA.org. It really works. And for persistent health issues, try our Matrix Bio Powder together with microplant powder for a deeper cellular cleaning. Call 888-910-4367. That's 888-910-4367. And see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at HempUSA.org. You've heard about or even used colloidal silver for years. But did you know there's a silver product that is much better, faster, safer, and superior? Silver that is fundamentally distinctive, different, and the only patented silver since the original colloidal silver in 1923? Introducing Silver Protocol from Neofera. Think about this. What will you do when you can't get antibiotics? Silver Protocol should be in every grab bag. The one product you got to have when it all breaks loose. Unlike colloidal silver, use Silver Protocol preventatively or whenever infection occurs. Silver Protocol can be boiled or frozen yet is still 100% effective, has super long shelf life, and will not cause argyria or turn you blue. Order Silver Protocol at 800-213-0644. That's 800-213-0644. Or go to neofera.com spelled n-e-o-f-e-r-a.com sign up for our free educational email series at neofera.com silver protocol the ultimate immune booster hi this is don ecker and you are tuned into the paracast let me tell you what you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else hear that george snorri Richard Smalley, uh, author of Supernatural, joins Gene and Chris. They're on the Paracast, and we were looking, I guess, here at collective realities. And maybe I go back to what Carl Jung said in the 50s when he wrote his book about UFOs, mm-hmm. the modern myth of things seen in the sky, etc., etc., whether if enough people believe in ghosts or UFOs, they shall come. Are we focusing on that a little bit? Yeah, or at least people are going to experience them. I mean, uh, to take another example, uh, I remember reading a, a description of, um, you know, a witch trial from, I don't know, maybe 1600 or so, uh, several years ago. And this man testifying in court, because this was a, this was a real trial, uh, real legal procedure, uh, testified, you know, to the jury that he had turned himself into, his, into a toad. And, you know, the jury and the judge took him at his word. You know, this, and this was like, you know, serious, factual, you know, procedure. This was Right, and they frog-walked him to the uh, burning stake. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. it um, I'm sure they did. But the thing about it is that at that point, um, the view of reality was such that, yeah, uh, you could turn yourself into a, a, a frog or a toad and, um, you know, do, do some good or evil uh, that way. Um, people believed it. Um, and no one questioned it as, as a, a piece of factual testimony. Whereas if someone, you know, said that today, um, you know, then, you know, they would get off on an insanity plea, right? Well, no, they, they'd accuse him of, of actually licking Bufo Valerius, the DM. Oh, right, right. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what one uh, uh, psychedelic drug that hasn't really gotten incredibly popular uh, over here. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, due to come or not. But uh... <laughs> yeah, when in doubt, lick the toad. Well, if it's on enough reality shows, people will embrace yeah. it. Right. Um, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, that, that there's a lot of reality shows and a lot of, uh, you know, kind of mass interest in the paranormal is, um, in a way, there, it's, there's like a, there's a universal kind of, uh, I would say, human need uh, to believe that there's more to reality than, um, you know, what an eighth grade science textbook is going to tell you. No, I'm not sure. I, I think the younger generation, I mean, we're talking jaded. I mean, they, it doesn't matter what sort of belief system you come up with, they're going to have some sort of comeback and some jaded sort of cynical response that is going to, uh, you know, put a humorous spin on it, but negate it at the same time. I, I think it, at least in this country, we're seeing we're seeing a, a trend towards the opposite where people are so jaded, they're so overwhelmed. Uh, by the media and all these these subjects that uh, you know just don't really grip younger people. I think we're seeing a, a some sort of a, like sway to the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, that could be. I mean, I, you know, I, I I mean, you could you could say a lot of things about youth culture, uh, and I I wouldn't be able to really say you know whether you're right or wrong. I uh, my my experience of youth culture. Uh, you know, kind of came from teaching at a community college for a few years uh, in uh, Massachusetts, but um, you know, even that's been a while back. Um, um, yeah, I think there's this jadedness, but there, you know, there, there's still um, an enormous amount of belief in things like the afterlife and belief in God. Uh, you know, I mean, if you believe the polls, um, you know, what ninety percent of people believe in God or, or at least some sort of supreme being or some sort of uh, Higher power. Um, one thing that that's always fascinated me uh, is uh, when they do polls on belief in reincarnation. And I've seen a number of these, you know, that have been conducted over the last couple of decades, and they're pretty consistent. Um, uh, they always, the numbers always seem to end up someplace between twenty-one and twenty-eight percent of the U.S. population that believes in uh, reincarnation. Uh, you know, how many of these are young people and how many are uh, older people, I, I don't really know. But there is still, you know, a lot of belief in in, in these things. I, one, of the, one of the things I found fascinating about uh, one of those, it was a Harris poll, I remember, from 2007, that uh, said that, indeed, 21% of um, Americans uh, believed in reincarnation, and 25% of American Catholics believed in it. Uh, which was kind of curious, given that um, you know, so, so the, 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 there are more Catholics who believe in, in reincarnation than in the population as a whole, even though their own church has always taught against it. So what's going on there? You know, I mean, I think one thing is that people at least like to think of themselves as very independent-minded, and um, you know, just because the church says so, um, you know, doesn't mean they're going to buy it. And that, that, I think, you know, is one element of the jadedness and, uh, you know, skepticism, I think, that you're talking about. Um, but I think there's, there's still, you know, an enormous appetite for belief in, in that sort of thing. I mean, the, 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 the most obvious uh, um, one, you know, and, and I'm sure you've dealt with this on your show, is, 
you know, the fascination with the near-death experience. Um, you know, there's, there's so many near-death experiences, so many, uh, bestsellers out about, uh, near-death experiences. Uh, there's a real appetite for it. And, and, um, you know, that's, you know, there's, you know, some jadedness about it. Um, but there's still, you know, a, a, a lot of real interest and, um, desire to know, you know, not necessarily to believe, but to know, you know, that there are other realities beyond, um, you know, the ones that we normally take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. We had PMH Atwater as one of our guests here a couple of months back, and we had a fascinating discussion about the whole subject of near-death experiences. But but in your, in your book, The Dice Game of Shiva, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I was really struck by is that you showed that consciousness is is not just a mere side effect of neural processes, but it somehow is tied into how the universe actually functions. There's there's some sort of like mechanistic uh, connection there. You, how how does belief and an actual uh, the process of of consciousness? Uh, where do we see that sort of combining together in a collective sense? That's uh. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty intricate question. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Dice Game of Shiva is uh, the, the previous book I wrote. It was published in 2009. It was a study of uh, consciousness, um, and basically, what I was trying to say in that book is that I define consciousness, which a lot of books on consciousness don't do, uh, as the capacity to relate self and other. And this is true kind of at all, in all ways and at all levels. Uh, so that, um, consciousness is just not, uh, you know, as you say, kind of a, an epiphenomenon of the brain that's limited to humans and you know, therefore kind of like this weird aberration. But it's present in all things in some form or another. Uh, I mean, I, I, in that, um, book I quoted, uh, an interview with Edison who said, you know, all of these these chemicals are and are able to interact with each other. You know, in all these marvelous ways. Do you mean to say they do that without some kind of consciousness? That is to say, you know, it's not saying like you know they, they have conscious will in the way that we do, but at some level, in some way, a hydrogen atom has to know how to recognize an oxygen atom and react with it in a certain way and under certain circumstances to produce water. The way I'm seeing it, so that that consciousness, uh, you know, is organic to everything, and our consciousness is only a very, very, very um, uh, small slice of that. Um, you know, e- even supposedly inanimate things do possess consciousness in a way. Um, you know, we all know plants have you know certain types of consciousness. Uh, you know, the, the book of the Secret Life of Plants. Um, so that's that's the that's the answer to that part of the question. You know, there's, I, I, but I think you're also asking about, uh, you know, well, in training consciousness, in training other aspects of consciousness together into some sort of of, of kind of a formula where. It's like a self-creating and self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, you know, going back to the, the top of our, our particular conversation here about 2012 and, and the power of belief and collective, uh, you know, the collective consciousness actually manifesting something just out of pure belief and, and, and focusing, you know, collectively 
on something to such an extent that you actually, you know, manifest that which you're, you're, you're obsessing with. This is a question that we'll pursue in our next segment because we have another kind of collective unconscious to explore right now. The collective unconscious of all our sponsors working together to convince you to buy their products or services <laughs> so we could stay on the air. Isn't that good? That was good, Gene. I know. I'm going to patent that, and we can sell it next week. The book is Supernatural from Richard Smalley. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People Grow Cotton, Weave Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to Protect from Counterfeit and Carding to a Private Bank, Having it Lead Back at Interest, Forcing Taxes to Service Debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the effect of better body circulation? Heart and Body Extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for long and healthy life. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We continue with our second hour of the Paracast with Richard Smalley. The book is called Supernatural. And we've been focusing on wrong questions and answers, I guess, about the nature of reality and whether we create our own reality. But then we get to the larger question, Richard, what if we have the matrix reality where maybe we're all asleep somewhere and some massive computer system is directing our every action or expectation? <laughs> well, you know, the answer to that, you know, in a way is... I hope not. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Um well, in a sense, it's kind of the answer that Descartes gave, um, because he asked him, you know, that really, that very question, uh, in the 17th century, and he said, well, how do I know I'm not 
how do I know I'm not being deluded, uh, you know, my entire life by some cruel demon? And, you know, it's, it's a very Matrix-like question. Descartes got his initial impetus, uh, I think, as he was marching from Spain to, to uh, Bohemia as part of the army. And he was told that uh, by an angel that came to him in a, in a vision or a dream that the, the answer was in, what, measurement and number or something? I, correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, the, I, I mean, the, 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 I don't remember the exact details, but the story does go something like that. But, you know, in, in a sense, what I'm talking about here is simply that, you know, Descartes saying, well, if I don't know anything else, and I may not know anything else, at least I know I'm experiencing something. Something There's something, something having this experience. And, you know, he, he took that in his own kind of philosophical direction. But, you know, I think that I think that basic uh, stance, you know, makes sense. Yeah, you know, I I think, therefore I am, or I experience, therefore I am. Well, and and the the uh, converse is true too. You think, therefore you are. Right, right. So, uh, you know, I think I think there's that uh, element in it. Um, you know, he had his own interpretation, which I'm not going to necessarily go into because I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but. Um, you, you may not know whether, uh, you know, the reality you experience is actual, but, you know, at least you, you still know that there's there's kind of a you having it, whatever this you is. Um, I mean, it gets funny, of course, because, you know, if you believe a lot of uh, particularly Eastern, but not only Eastern philosophies, uh, it turns out that they would say that the you that's having this experience is, uh, you know, the kind of the core of the delusion. Uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, it's it's an interesting subject to explore. Um, uh, I don't necessarily agree with it myself, but um, you know, there, there's some people have taken it in that direction that, um, that you know that we are being deluded by this cruel demon, and it's it's our kind of personal egos. Uh, well, then, how would you explain moments of gnosis? Well, I guess the the way that you explain it would be that you know, if this is this kind of experience is delusory, we must have at least some capacity for experiencing reality and truth. And those most moments of gnosis would then be, uh, you know, some of those moments of, uh, of uh, truth that somehow permeate through the, you know, the, the layers of the matrix. Right, the software program. Right, right. <laughs> Of course, we wonder what happens to the software program when it develops bugs or is infected by malware. Or maybe that's the problem. The other thing, of course, about reality is whether we are all just somebody's video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the, the, the answer to kind of a lot of that is even if it's true, it's kind of a hard thing to go around believing in your day-to-day life. And, um, um, you know, the, the thing about a lot of skeptics is these questions are interesting to, you know, answer. You know, I can doubt, you know, the existence of everyday reality, but in practice, I'm, I'm going to ask, act as if it still exists. And, um, you know, that's really the only way to do it, because um, otherwise, you know, you know, therein lies madness. Right. Um, a slap in the face and a kick in the tail end uh, hurts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, you know, those have been, uh, you know, some of the, the kind of refutations of it. 
that have been made. Now, there, you know, there are lots of other things going on as well, which is, um, you know, it could be that, you know, the fact that a, a, a slap and a kick hurt, uh, you know, is itself kind of, you know, an organic part of the delusion. You know, one could go and look at that point of view. I, my own, from my own perspective, to kind of you know put this in 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 you know some kind of uh, perspective. I think these questions are interesting to look at and to think about. You know, not necessarily because they're going to like lead you in some you know wildly new direction of belief. You know, about your universe or about your life, but you know, they, they it. Um, they stretch your mind and, you know, they, they uh, at least ask you to accommodate uh, certain possibilities that most people, uh, you know, don't want to take for granted. Even most, you know, educated, you know, thoughtful, supposedly thoughtful people don't uh, uh, take for granted. One thing that I was uh, struck me in your book and probably the shortest chapter, which is uh, chapter 10 called Hidden Masters. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what is the operative inspiration that creates a Buddha or a, a Christ type figure or a Lao Tzu or, um, you know, one of any of, of a number of what are now considered masters. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think separates their process from the average person's process? And, and what are the aspects of their separation that make them stick down through history? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, well, I think one thing is that, um, you know, they, you know, what they tended to have in common is that they've, um, you know, all, uh, expanded human consciousness and, uh, awareness in, um, new and different ways that were needed at the time. Um, you know, we kind of tended, uh, for us, love is a cliche, you know, at this point, as we remember as Valentine's Day approaches. Um, but, you know, all you need is love, you know, I mean, you know, you know, you can, you can go through as many songs as I can, you know, uh, on this whole theme. Um, but really it was Christianity, uh, that, uh, brought love to the fore. No one really talked about love as, as kind of a the central thing in the universe before Christianity. And that was, you know, probably Christ's contribution um, that, you know, he kind of intuited, uh, you know, that love is a much more important uh, force in the universe than it had been given credit for. Even if a lot of, you know, the ethical teachings that he uh, gave were, you know, uh, not totally unlike those that, uh, um, you know, other religions and other traditions gave uh, as well. So I think that 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 possibility of opening minds and just totally new directions is an extremely important part of it. Um, uh, you know, what? Then there's this question, like, well, what constitutes something that's, um, uh, you know, a being who's, shall we say, superhuman? Um, is a superhuman being one who's kind of superhuman in functioning? That is to say, someone who can, you know, materialize at will and so on, uh, you know, possibly. And, you know, there, there are stories of that. And, you know, I, I, I have to say I've never had any experience like that, so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, not really all that interested in dismissing it out of hand. <laughs> the seven labors of Hercules. Right, right. Um, but um, 
another aspect of of these kind of superior individuals, you know, that we do sometimes see, uh, is a much higher ethical level uh, than uh, than the normal person uh, normally displays, you know, and that, you know. Uh, you know what actually happened with the crucifixion of Christ, and 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 so on is you know the subject for you know hours and hours of radio shows. But on this show, we have to do a break, and then we'll get into more of this. Maybe maybe that's why we like our superheroes like Superman. Right. And by the way, if you have a comment or a question about the Paracast, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us news at theparacast.com. dot com. That's news at theparacast.com. dot com. Or send us a tweet. We're known on Twitter as the Paracast. We have Richard Smalley joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a print press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, Chris O'Brien asked the question that the late Mayor Edward Koch asked. How am I doing? You're doing fine, my friend book is supernatural from richard smoley exploring the frontiers of reality but it's almost a silly question but i'll ask it anyway because i raise it the fact that we so much love these superheroes who are so much better than we are they have these powers almost godlike and if you look at the trailer for the new rendition of superman called man of steel they're trying to present him almost as a godlike figure don't you think yeah and um you know i mean it's a curious uh irony uh, where did the notion of the Superman come from? Well, you know, it actually comes from Nietzsche, you know, the philosopher Nietzsche, you know, and he said, uh, you know, God is dead, uh, long live the Superman. You know, that's, that's almost like a verbatim quote of Nietzsche's. Now, I am fairly strongly convinced for reasons that are too intricate to go in here that, you know, at least some of the people, uh, who, uh, were involved in designing Superman, or at least, were at least aware of Nietzsche's ideas, and you know, it, you know, you have, which is this is then this becomes like another topic in itself. Like, to how, what extent do esoteric, mystical ideas um, permeate uh, mass culture, and how do they get around to doing that? But you know, the other thing about Superman is kind of a semi-divine figure, and again. One of the things that makes him semi-divine, and that's, that's kind of one of the, the points I was, uh, you know, making earlier, is not only his, uh, you know, capacity to, you know, uh, stop trains and, you know, do all that sort of thing, but, uh, you know, his sort of superior ethical um, stance, you know, that he's always fighting for, you know, what used to be known as uh, truth, justice in the American way, and, you know, this kind of ethical superiority in a way, is as much part of the Superman mystique as the um, 
superpowers themselves. Well, the one thing about Superman is he always had a higher ethical standard. But one thing started well, by, wait a for minute, example... Gene. Hold on, hold on. When Superman came out, he was nothing more than a, a very artful, well-calculated uh, propaganda tool during World War II. Well, we understand how they would use him because of that. But the essence of Superman is he has a higher moral, ethical behavior because he comes from this advanced race of beings from Krypton. So what is Kryptonite? Uh, That's the devil, I guess. But the, but the one thing about it is that the later class of superheroes, which came from Stan Lee, for example, they were troubled, psychologically impacted by their superpowers or just generally screwed up anyway, and through some accident or fate, they become superheroes, and that only makes them crazier and wackier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's that's the thing. You know, a genre uh, starts out, I mean, all genres start out kind of fairly simple and cartoon-like, and, you know, as, as people keep um, exploring the possibilities of them, you know, they get, they get you know, both uh, weirder and more sophisticated. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably true uh, with uh, uh, the whole superhero um, uh, mythos. But really interesting, um, I think, dovetails into an interesting subject. And, and you have a very interesting chapter in, in your book, Supernatural, about Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think in the New Age community, Atlantis has almost transcended into this realm of superheroes and exalted uh, levels of technology and knowledge and uh, some sort of connection to some sort of divine uh, Mm -hmm. imperative. Why don't you explain to us your thinking about Atlantis uh, as you put it in your chapter heading, Atlantis Then and Now? Okay. Um, well, Atlantis, first is kind of a, just a bit of history. Um, Atlantis, uh, the Atlantis myth was brought to us by Plato in a dialogue of his called the Timaeus, and he wrote another one called the Critias, which is sort of a follow-up. And in it, he claimed that uh, the, the Greek uh, kind of... Uh, sage Solon uh, visited Egypt around 600 BC and was told by the priests there that, well, you know, they basically said, you know, you Greeks are, are just children. You, you, you know, you, you have no sense of history at all. Our, our history goes back, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, part of the story was the myth of Atlantis, this um, continent that uh, was in the, um, well, I guess Plato basically said it's by the, you know, the Straits of Gibraltar, the Pillars of, of uh, Her- Heracles, as, as it was known in, uh, in those days. And this continent, uh, you know, went through an, an incredible cataclysm and sank, uh, you know, and, and the year given, uh, well, you know, is, is translated into our terms, uh, 9600 B.C., well, you know, this is all kind of, uh, you know, this is all a bit improbable sounding, but it's starting to sound a little less improbable these days because, you know, we're starting to, you know, think of whole countries that may be submerged uh, by uh, rising uh, ocean levels from global warming, like the Maldive Islands in the Indian Ocean. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, this, this is kind of like a modern, modern day Atlantis uh, waiting to happen. I mean, the sea levels rise, uh, you know, above a certain level. You know, the Maldive Islands are going to be underwater. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, in that date that Plato gives, uh, you know, 9600 BC, um, is actually pretty close to the end of the last ice age. Correct. And we know at the end of the last ice age, uh, you know, a lot of uh, bits of land that were uh, formerly uh, above water went underwater. So, you know, I mean, there's no, I mean, even from a purely, like, totally straight scientific viewpoint, there's no reason to disbelieve in Atlantis, uh, you know, as such. It's not, it, it's not like paranormal phenomena or UFOs where you have to kind of, you know, really stretch your, your, your view of reality to, you know, even make sense of it. Here, um, no, this is, this is, according to, you know, standard science, this is what happened. Um, there's no reason uh, a comparatively advanced civilization couldn't have existed uh, that, uh, you know, was inundated. Um, Plato's own account of it is very clearly allegorical in a lot of ways. He was into sacred geometry and uh, that kind of thing, and a lot of his account, you know, has, has a lot to do with that. Uh, well, there was also issues of of abuse of power and um, punishment. The end of the civilization occurred because of the Atlanteans not, you know, maintaining that higher ideal. Right. And, uh, you know, most of, uh, you know, at least the contemporary, uh, you know, myths of Atlantis, uh, you know, from, oh, I don't know, things like, uh, theosophy from, uh, Edgar Cayce materials, uh, you know, and similar sources, you know, say that they, uh, the Atlanteans became, you know, corrupt at, uh, you know, a spiritual level, even using, uh, occult forces, uh, you know, for, uh, lower sinister ends. We'll go into more of what happens and the fate of losing your spiritual grounding. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. 
And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, Sun Oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your Life Straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple, with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Extendivite is a seven-herb heart protection cocktail designed to support cardiovascular health, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. February is Heart Month, and we at Heart Drop 2000 are having our Heart Month sale with prices from six years ago. Starting now until February 28th, you can purchase a four-month supply of either capsules or liquid for only $125, including shipping and handling to help you help yourself. So call now to take advantage of this one-time offer. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Just parenthetically, Richard Smalley, author of Supernatural, isn't that what they say about us now, that we're kind of losing our way, so much focus on technology that we don't focus so much on our spirituality, and maybe Atlantis, if that's what their failure was, if there was an Atlantis, that should be a teaching lesson to us? I think it should be a lesson to us whether or not it ever happened to Atlantis. I mean, I think there's there's uh, you know a serious danger to that. Um, you know, I think uh, you know this kind of you know hypnotic fascination with technology. You know, just kind of, you know, I mean, at, at the very least, it's you know this kind of huge distraction. I mean, people just you know you just go around and people, everybody's just staring into their smartphones these days. You know, God, Richard, I'm even texting now. I mean, yeah. I, I swore I would never 
I would never have my nose buried into my phone. And I'm telling you, I'm doing 20, 30 texts a day, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's useful. Um, you know, it can be useful. It's just that um, uh, people start to do it, you know, almost kind of by because uh, they don't know what else to do. Or, you know, like the, the teenage girl who's, you know, who's always on the cell phone, uh, you know, just, just to make it seem as if she's popular and that kind of thing. What I see, uh, by the way, nowadays, more and more people, the last, what, five or ten years, they walk around all day long, they've got their mobile phone mm-hmm. in their ear, mm-hmm. and they just can't stay away from it. You know, they're doing a transaction, and they have to pay for something, but they're on the phone. Now, my problem is the other way, which is I'm not usually talking to somebody when... I'm at the checkout counter. If that's when the phone rings, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think you know. Uh, I mean, the danger there, you know, with that technology is, you know, is it is it spiritually corrupting? Well, I don't know. I I think cognitively, uh, it's very distracting, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the kind of cognitive disorders we're seeing are, are the result of this kind of just increased dissociation. We're, you know, doing too many things at a time. And, Not to mention um, the side of the head brain cancer. Right, right. Yeah, all that stuff too. But, um, you know, people are, are just, uh, you know, doing too many things at once. Yeah, and, uh, um, you know, your brain kind of gets dissociated as a result of doing that. I mean, you know, I, I certainly do it. Uh, most people do it. It's, it's it's not so much an ethical judgment, but it's it's part of, a, you know, one of the concerns about our civilization today. Um, you know, our awareness of our own surroundings, uh, you know, is often uh, really just way in the background. And that, you know, beyond a certain point, that can't be that good. Well, do you see this uh, progressing forward in kind of an obvious way towards some sort of, I don't know, twisted transhumanism where humans become further and further disassociated from their humanity and become more robotic and sort of bought into uh, into the digital age? Or what do you think? Um, I think what one thing that we always kind of have to remember is that you know we uh, uh, you know and and prophecy and futurology which are similar arts uh you know are also things that are discussed in my book we we tend always to assume that the future is going to be kind of a continuation of the past that is to say uh any current trend is just going to continue on and on uh forever until it reaches some kind of extreme and you know Circumstances don't really work that way. Um, there, there are always these changes and disconnects and, and kind of radical shifts uh, that nobody expected. Um, so I, I don't see any reason why something like that can't uh, uh, occur. Uh, it goes without saying that if it's unexpected, that you know, I, you know, I, among everybody else, you know, not expecting it, but that doesn't mean you know it's not going to happen. Um, we, you know, we may. Uh, you know, suddenly someday everyone may just sort of say, you know, the stuff is boring. Let's do something else with our time. Uh, right. Start a commune in uh, southern Colorado. Um, right. You know, one of the chapters that I was really um, quite fascinated by is chapter three in your book, Supernatural. Uh, does prophecy work? Now we're talking, we're looking forward here in time. And obviously throughout uh, human history, 
there have been sages and, and prophets and, and people that have projected ahead. Nostradamus, you have a chapter on Nostradamus. Where do you come down on prophecy uh, for our listeners? I, I was fascinated by this particular chapter, and I'd love uh, for you to elucidate uh, some of your thinking about that. Well, as far as prophecy is concerned in, in general, uh, you know, I guess I, I tend to be uh, fairly skeptical. You know, just because the record of prophecy uh, just hasn't been that good. Um, you know, going back to the apocalyptic, uh, you know, mentality that I was talking about at the beginning of the interview, you know, um, Christianity, for example, really got its start because the first generation of Christians thought the end of the world was literally at hand. You know, this just didn't happen. Um, you know, and Christianity ever since has been kind of like, Try to figure out what to do as, as a result of that that failure. Um, usually, by predicting that the end end of the world is is, is at hand now. Yeah, reconciliation is not an option. Right now, prophecy is interesting in uh, in a lot of ways. Um, one thing is, uh, what can you expect a prophet to say? Well. Uh, uh, for the prophets of, uh, that we're, uh, of the type we're talking about, I mean, you have to expect, uh, you know, some kind of radical uh, dislocation, some kind of great changes, because otherwise, you know, who would care? You know, if some, if some, you know, some kind of Nostradamus or Edgar Casey said, uh, came out and said, um, well, things are just pretty much going to be the way they are for quite a while. Uh, this person might actually have a fairly good chance of being right. But who would be interested in it? Who would want to read that? Um, it, you know, there's no, there's no <laughs> market point. for it. Um, um, so the apocalyptic prophet, you know, as I've been calling him, you know, you know, is is very very happy uh, to predict all kinds of disasters and dislocations and you know the moon turning to blood and so on. Uh, you know, contrast it to, uh, you know, the more mundane type of prophet, you know, which you might call a futurologist. Kurzweil. Yeah, you know, uh, now these, these guys, I mean, you know, most of them have no particular occult bent. Um, how do they predict the future? Well, they predict the future by, you know, uh, saying, well, if current trends continue, X and such is going to happen. But, you know, as we know, current trends don't continue. Um, you know, I read a fascinating book uh, a couple of years ago uh, called A Year 2000 that was written in uh, uh, 1967. And, uh, you know, it was by Herman Kahn, who was kind of one of the, kind of one of the great, you know, real or, or imagined uh, futurologists of the time. Um, and, you know, he got some things right. Uh uh, one thing he got right was that computers would be used for banking. But, you know, he also predicted that, you know, this kind of uh, gradual, uh, you know, the continuation and uh, growth of, the, you know, what used to be called the welfare state. And, you know, no, actually, the welfare state is, uh, you know, whether you approve of it or not, the welfare state in um, not only in the U.S., but in, in most of the world, is, is actually retrenched quite a bit. Uh, he was making his predictions, which were perfectly reasonable on the basis of what they knew at the time. By the way, there is nothing in that book, absolutely zero, zip, zero, about religion. 
And in those days, um, it was kind of generally assumed that religion was kind of this quaint uh, survival from the past, and that uh, you know, in this age when you know we would be all you know running, uh, living, you know, um, being in mylar suits and and uh, flying around in spaceships like George Jetson, there would be well, no interest well, in religion. Science but, has become uh, kind of a replacement for outmoded religious structures and control system. And by the way, we now also technology. We believe our iPhones, we believe our iPads, and we believe our Macs, and maybe we believe our Samsung Galaxies or whatever. We have Richard Smully joining Gene and Chris here in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dried guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. 
little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, the book under discussion is Supernatural, Ratings on an Unknown History. We're trying to make sense of it all with Richard Smalley. Chris? Yeah, we have, um, as uh, is our custom, we have a number of questions from our participants at forum.theparacast.com. The first question, uh, Richard, comes from Conrad Hartman, who has been posting for almost a year at the forum. This is an interesting one. I'd like to get your take on it. He asks, mortification of the flesh has occurred in various religions around the world. A number of Catholic saints, as well as other figures, including Pope John Paul II, that's news to me, practice self-flagellation among other acts. To what extent do these acts serve an ecstatic function? That is, in addition to serving as a gesture of humility, do these activities not also serve to drive the participants into trance states and ecstatic visionary experiences? Good question. Yeah, I think that, I, I think there's something uh, uh, going on with that. I mean, you know, just just to view it in in kind of very prosaic terms, you know, it would it looks like, and I, I have no experience with this myself. Um, you know, a certain a certain mild types of flagellation can probably uh, you know stimulate the. Um, Oh, I don't know, the natural uh, opiates in the brain, whatever they're called. I've, I've forgotten what the name is. Well, dopamine and yeah, there's, all there's others. I mean, to me, uh, let's lick the frog. I mean, that that's way easier, but but continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, so, yeah, I think part of it uh, is to uh, generate ecstasy. I mean, you know, they're, they're, look, I mean, there's another fact is that you know, particularly in Catholicism, particularly in the last uh, um, 400 years, um, you know, there's a element, if you just look at the art, just look at it without, uh, you know, any kind of preconception, without knowing what it is, there's this incredible sadomasochistic element in it. I don't think that was there um, way back when. The medieval uh, people didn't uh, generally portray Christ in, you know, it was kind of bleeding all over the place. Uh, the, the, and the Russian Orthodox, uh, you know, have very, very strict, uh, the Greek Orthodox, who ha- uh, Eastern Orthodox, I suppose I should say, very, very strict rules about how uh, sacred art is to be made. Um, um, 
always forbade that kind of art on the on the grounds that it would <laughs> kind of lead to base passions. So, I mean, you really have to ask yourself, what what kind of uh, sadomasochistic impulse is, is there in here? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I guess the, the classic, you know, case for me is, is remember, you, you've certainly seen the movie Carrie. Right, of um, course. Yeah, the famous uh, uh, Sissy Spacek uh, became right. a star. <laughs> right. And, you know, for me, the creepiest thing in the, in the whole movie was, you know. It was not, when they not, dumped a bucket of blood on her. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was, it was the, the mother and her and the weird, like, Jesus crucifix she had in this closet in the house oh, oh, that she would oh, yeah. walk, carry into. That was, like, much more... Yeah, that, that was, was that really creepy. You know, well, how was, about Los Hermanos de Penitentes, the penitent brothers of the mm-hmm. penitentes, who, uh-huh. to this day, in southern Colorado and, and northern New Mexico, practice very, almost Islamic-sounding rituals of, uh-huh. of being naked and 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 marching over cactus uh, beds and flagellating themselves with cat or nine tails and in in some possible stories uh, actually crucify one of the uh, most worthy brothers on on Good Friday. I mean, we do still have in the modern twenty first century we do still have sects of of Christians that actually practice these very abuse self abusive uh, rituals. And as, as we all know from Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code, uh, the uh, Opus Dei is uh, sometimes uh, lumped in with that. Um, well, yeah. not necessarily accurately, but... Yeah, yeah, that's kind of controversial. But, you know, self-flagellation, you know, as you pointed out, uh, you know, if Pope has done it, um, you know, it's always been, you know, a part of uh, Catholic practice. I mean, I think... A number of things are going on. One is, I mean, you do have to ask yourself, what what is the sadomasochism that's going on here? And, you know, that's almost like a question for, like, a clinical psychologist. Um, uh, maybe the uh, the head of the House uh, in Congress. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, <laughs> but um, I mean, there's another thing that, you know, I think you can say, which is we all know that you know, when you get right down to it, there are certain there are times when you have to like um, put a lid on your bodily impulses. You know, whether it involves you know uh, sleeping with your best friend's wife or uh, waiting till you get off the, the uh, highway to go to the bathroom, that kind of thing. That's just that's just part of what it is to be human. Now, it's it's very very easy to take a step. Uh, and jump to the conclusion, as a number of religions have done, you know, that the flesh is innately evil, and therefore ought to be punished. And I think that's what's going on with with some of those, you know, penitent, uh, you know, sects and and uh, that kind of thing. Well, so, or any teenage boy and his girlfriend, Rosie Palm. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> But, um, so, you know, there, there, there's definitely a lot going on there. I, um, to, just to, to, to follow up on the question a little bit more, um, there, uh, there is Wicca, which is, as you know, um, 
sometimes said to be a survival of the old um, pagan religion, sometimes said to be a modern invention. Uh, one of the, the most influential figures in Wicca was an Englishman named Gerald Gardner, who uh, was apparently into flagellation and uh, made it part of the Wiccan rituals. And whether this was really part of uh, the Wiccan rituals as practiced way back when, or whether he had uh, kind of gotten a taste for this in you know, British public school is a question that's uh, occasionally still debated. Well, I just should point out in passing that during the course of a time that my first wife and I edited a UFO paranormal magazine for a number of years, we came into contact with Wiccans over those years, and they never seemed to be the type of people who would do that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, there are about as many different types of Wiccans as there are um, uh, Christians or anything else. So, uh, you know, that's certainly not. But it would be true of what are called Gardnerian uh, Wiccans, because uh, Gerald Gardner was the guy I was talking about. But I certainly wouldn't, um, you know, say that every Wiccan does that, or even well, most. Yeah, Wiccans obviously. Do. Uh, Richard, that leads me to another question from Conrad Hartman, one of our posters at forum.theparacast.com. To what extent do you feel that modern paganism is historically linked to pre-Christian practices? And do you feel that modern practice practices accurately follow these historical precedents? Well, that's a really uh, interesting question. Um, one you know, I, I suppose I should really only plug one book at a time, but um, uh, one of my uh, previous books uh, is called Hidden Wisdom, A Guide to the Western Inner Traditions, which has a whole chapter on that. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to go into the whole, uh, you know, detail of it here. Uh, it is a very good and, and very intricate question. Um, I think there's evidence that the old religion uh, survived in uh, you know, in kind of family traditions and kind of out of the way pockets. To what extent this reflects any kind of real practice of, you know, what, what pagans were doing, uh, you know, in, in 500 AD, uh, you know, is considerably more open to question because there just isn't a lot of, uh, data about it. Yeah, it's impossible to really, really demonstrate any sort of connection. But here's, uh, my own sort of follow up on that. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned uh, Alistair Crowley, uh, of course, to people that don't know who he is. It's Crowley, if you think of him foully. Crowley, if you think he's possibly holy. That's kind of my axiom. But never you mentioned that. I never Alist heard that one either. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was Crowley's own uh, sort of disclaimer. But, um, you know, Alistair Crowley, I think, is a seminal figure of the post-sort of Victorian age. He helped... Mm -hmm you know, sort of dismantle the staid, you know, very um, anal sort of Victorian um, social structure and, and, and mores of, of that particular time period. Now, someone like a Crowley who was able to integrate the Eastern tradition with the Western tradition in his, his um, particular tarot deck, uh, the Thoth deck, do you consider someone like an Alistair Crowley or an Eliphas Levy, who, of course, uh, was a predecessor of Crowley's uh -huh. in the mid-19th century, do you consider their work as being a crucial link between the ancient sort of past and in terms of magic and esotericism and the modern age of magical thinking? We've got to do a break right here. We're with Richard Smoley, author of Supernatural, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $34.95, fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans. And it's perfect if you're traveling or away from home. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Where did that come from, Gene? You and I have been done, what, 200 shows, and you've never had me do the the setup, and you do the Paracast. That's great. Turn around, it's fair play. See, Richard, you just heard a show break that was unique it was special oh that's good <laughs> he wants to stay out of this you see <laughs> yeah. yeah don't don't blame me we always wow. blame you chris dang well i asked a question about crowley so i guess if anything would create a change that would be it yeah i i the answer uh to your question is uh Yes, um, and the, the question was really saying, uh, you know, did, uh, you know, major 19th and 20th century uh, occult figures like um, Crowley and Eliphaz Levy, um, you know, affect, uh, you know, the kind of the modern pagan revival? And yes, I think they did. You know, I think the, the Golden Dawn, um, you know, which was a, a Victorian uh, as you know, it was a, you know, a Victorian uh, occult lodge that, uh, um Crowley belonged to um you know was very very influential and i think a lot of uh rights um uh, you know of uh you know the revived pagan religion um comes from that now that doesn't mean 
you know, that I, I believe that the whole thing is just a total modern fabrication. You know, I, I suspect that, uh, you know, let's, let's say that there were people who were interested in, um, you know, this kind of magical stuff way back when. Well, they're probably not all Richard, that- hold on. What do you yeah. mean way back when? Uh, the, the Golden Dawn system of magic, its offshoots in Rosicrucianism, Freemasonry, um, you know, you could go down the line of, of offshoots from, from that particular system of magic. They all claim to have some sort of connection with Egyptian high magic. Do you feel that that claim is accurate? Do you think that there is a thread or a connection that goes back to dynastic Egypt? Or do you think they're just kind of playing around with that uh, particular connection and, and making themselves more important than they really are? You know, whether they have a connection with dynastic Egypt or not, you know, it's it's not something I could say. I mean, there's no real proof of it, Um, but, you know, it it would be very uh, difficult to uh, prove it negatively, that is to say, to prove that there was none. Um, But, you know, to kind of go back to what I was saying, um, you know, assuming that these people, you know, all along have been interested in this kind of thing, you know, they probably read and studied, uh, you know, the magical books and texts that were around. Uh, and there were, uh, you know, there was a magical school in London uh, um, started by a man named Francis Barrett in, you know, around 1800. Uh, his, his book, The Magus, is very influential and still available. Um, so I, I think the people who are into these old traditions um, probably... It, you know, kept some very um, uh, key elements of their uh, traditions, and you know, incorporated some that uh, came or, that came uh, around. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's probably not a, a terribly smart thing to plug someone else's book. Uh, you know, or you're plugging your own. But um, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, there's a, a book. Uh, uh, I mean, I. Uh, I edited it when it came out, uh, and I worked for certain publishers. It's called Wielding Power uh, by Charles R. Tetworth, uh, you know, which has, you know, uh, uh, you know, which I believe, uh, you know, has some connection to the old religion and um, and uh, even has, uh, you know, some of the practices and, uh, and rights of it. It doesn't look terribly much like Wicca, uh, but it's its, own, it's its own version, and um, I would encourage people to check that out if uh, they're interested in, you know, what some of these uh, old practices might have been like. How about the alchemists? Uh, John D. Um, Saint Germain supposedly uh, had incredible abilities, whether as a magician or a conjurer. I personally have seen the big silver platter, you know, that's on display uh, in Versailles that is half transmuted from silver into gold. Where do you come down on the alchemist? Do you think held in to some sort of ancient process uh, or, you know, the ability to manipulate things uh, based on, on ancient knowledge? Well, one thing you have to consider is that, um, as, as a matter of fact, people have been producing, you know, pretty amazing artifacts for like a long, long time, you know, like. Uh, certain techniques of the, the stained glass windows of the um, uh, medieval cathedrals are a famous example. So, um, 
the idea that everybody was just like totally technologically primitive and knew nothing, uh, you know, about anything until, uh, you know, Mr. Science came along in, you know, the 18th century is uh, itself a rather naive one, I think. So I think they had uh, some, uh, I think there was genuine knowledge there. Um, the, you know, they certainly emphasized, or at least the best of them emphasized, that, you know, this kind of work of transmutation could not be done. I mean, it can't be done in the, in the way that science is done in, 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 you know, in that the, um, you know, in, to science say the experimenter is supposed to be totally, um, detached from the experiment. And, uh, the uh, ancient alchemists and even the modern alchemists would say, no, you, you know, actually, uh, the state of mind, consciousness preparation of the um, alchemist is, is extremely important. And it can be right, uh, probably one of the ingredients in an alch- alchemical process. Right. And, um, you know, that's that, you know, maybe take us on to, you know, uh, uh, off the subject, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's another thing that has to be seriously considered when you're talking about scientific investigations of the paranormal. Um, you know, the, because it's not quite so easy to, uh, evaluate in a lab sense than, um, uh, uh, you know, as I don't know, the typical physics experiment, the state of consciousness of the researchers and the participants are extremely important. Well, obviously, and, and that was determined by Heisenberg, uh, his uncertainty principle and the Copenhagen interpretation that the the actual act of observing any sort of process is going to alter it. But, you know, let's get back to that subject of ancient knowledge and the opening sentence or, or a paragraph actually in chapter eight of your book supernatural um is titled masonic civilization and you say masonry to some the word connotes an underground cabal that through means unknown or scarcely imaginable to ordinary mortals topples governments and manipulates currencies or has beyonce flashing sigils <laughs> during, the, <laughs> during this, the halftime of the super bowl uh, to others, more adept at observation than imagination, it evokes images of solid citizens in cheap suits conjugating at the lodge on the second story of a shabby downtown commercial building. In either case, today's seekers may wonder why masonry should interest them. Richard Smalley, should masonry interest us? Are we dealing with some sort of, like, deep sort of conspiratorial uh, manipulation of world events by the power elite? Um, well, I, I, if, if we are, I don't think the, the Masons as an organized body uh, you know, yeah. constitute that. Um, in well, better, uh, is there something akin to that that's uh, operating besides uh, the power of money and influence and power and control? Well, you know, there are always people conspiring uh, to rule the world, and the question, you know, and to, you know, make lots of money and and, and so on. Uh, the question is, like, whether they're all in cahoots, and, you know, in the end, it's a little hard to see, you know, all of these very, very disparate interests, you know, being masterminded by some, you know, uh, secret society, uh, you know, you know, hidden That's- something away somewhere. That's exactly what Lawrence Rockefeller told me when I asked him this. <laughs> Uh, question. No, seriously. Really? He said, if you think for a second that we could even agree what to talk about, let alone where to talk about it and what we were going to have on the agenda, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Of course, I didn't believe him, but continue. We cannot continue unless we share 
this time with our benefactors. Richard Smoley joining us. He's author of Supernatural. With Gene and Chris, and Chris says at this time you're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at webtv.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it now. Get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Injuries, slow healing, aches and pains, constipation, weakness, fatigue are all common the older one gets. The progressive deterioration of the body that occurs almost universally the older one gets can partly to significantly be prevented with conscientious attention to nutrition. If the Hansel men can play rugby in their 90s, then it is possible for everyone in North America to experience a more youthful life as well. One key ingredient to warding off aging and reversing some of it is the type and quality of protein consumed. All protein foods or supplements you currently consume are heat damaged, destroying 50 to 75% of your ability to utilize the bodybuilding amino acids. 
One World Whey is not heat damaged and allows your body to utilize 100% of the amino acids. This feat no one else has achieved. The results to your health can be amazing. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Richard Smoley, author of Supernatural, about to answer a question and comment from Chris. Richard? Okay. I, I don't know quite where you want me to go with the question. I mean, do you want me to talk about, like, international conspiracies in general? Do you want me to Well, talk I don't know. You, you, you bring up some really interesting points about masonry in, in this chapter, and why don't you go ahead and sort of encapsulate your thinking and then maybe kind of riff on it a little bit? Okay. Um, well, now, the first thing you have to understand is, of course, that masonry is not a secret society. Why is it a secret society? Well, you've heard of that, haven't you? Well, it's an old boys' club, really. I mean, it's like kind of a, it's like a fraternity. Well, yeah, and it's it's that's you know sometimes people complain that you know it's nothing more than that. Other people only want that. Um, well, the history of masonry is kind of uh, long and complicated and controversial, um, but you know the most reputable views you know say that well masonry kind of grew out of these stonemasons' guilds. Uh, you know, that operated in late medieval times and for various reasons became uh, interested in mystical speculation in the 17th century. And, you know, at that point, uh, gentlemen who were in search of occult knowledge started to join. And, you know, that was the, you know, transformation of what was called operative masonry into uh, speculative masonry. Those are the terms used. Um you know, the Masons were, you know, particularly active and influential uh, in the 18th century. You know, they they were, uh, you know, very instrumental in um, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, uh, the unification of Italy in the mid 19th century, uh, and. Um, I, I love that that lithograph of George Washington with his Masonic apron on. Right, right, and. Um, you know, I mean, and, and he was, uh, you know, obviously, uh, 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 you know, quite a devoted Mason. Um, you know, Masonry's influence and power, well, it's kind of gone up and down. It waned seriously in the U.S. Uh, in the 1820s when there was a strong uh, anti-Masonic movement that got started. Uh, and it, you know, it started to pick up steam again um, in uh, the 20th century. I think, you know, the high point for Masonic membership, uh, you know, was kind of in the 50s. Uh, since then, it sort of dropped out. Albert Pike had a little bit to do with a, a spike in interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely Albert Pike was, a, you know, certainly a very curious figure. The author of Morals and Dogma. He was like a, a former Confederate general. Um, you know, he he wrote you know a great deal on uh, you know masonry and the esoteric. Now, the other thing about masonry is, of course, that masonry does not entail any belief. 
That is to say, you don't have to believe in anything except a supreme being. Uh, they, uh, that's why you know there's there's like a G uh, on the um, you know Masonic uh, emblem, right? Um, just beyond the square and on the level, right? All of these rituals that they go through. I mean, I'm not a Mason, so you know, a I haven't gone through it, but b I'm I'm also able to talk freely about it because I'm you know <laughs> any pledges to anybody, um, you know, as I understand it. You know, the meanings of these Masonic rituals um, are always left to the individual to decide. Um, so there's no authoritative interpretation of what they mean or what they're supposed to mean. There are a lot of, there's a lot of literature about it. There are a lot of guesses and, and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, a lot of it written by Masons themselves, but nothing that has, you know, the kind of authority that, you know, say a papal pronouncement would have. So, you know, in that sense, uh, Mason seemed very much committed to freedom of thought. Um, they had, uh, you know, their heyday in the, you know, as I say, well, early 20th uh, centuries. Um, there was a lot of fraternalism. The Masons kind of made it, you know, they kind of went down for a while and then they came back in the in the 19th century. Um, fraternalism, you know, was much more important as a movement uh, in those days. Uh, so it's just basically a frat. There's no real conspiracy involved in the Masons, you know. Think. I, I don't. I don't think that you know. Not in, in any kind of you know. You know, some kind of plot to like take over world government or anything. Like well, that. I think I think the lower levels. Yeah, you could say that, but. Uh... There may be a little something at the upper echelons, but I, we won't get into that. That would be digressing too far. Yeah, yeah. it's something I, I, I certainly don't know. I don't have any proof or evidence of it. So, you know, beyond a certain point, there's not much I can really say. Okay, let's put the Masons aside. Set the Masons aside. That's the sound okay. of Masons being set aside, Start to insult them if they're listening. Yeah. There's one thing I hear that obviously raises its head any time you talk about paranormal and ancient civilizations and all this stuff. The presence of ancient astronauts in ancient times and UFOs in modern times, what's your take on it? Well, you mentioned uh, C.G. Jung earlier and his book on flying saucers, uh, which was published, I think, in 1957. And basically, we're still uh, with his verdict. People are seeing, you know, we are seeing something, but one doesn't know what it is. A modern myth of things seen in the sky. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're at a point where, you know, you know as, as people often say with UFOs, you know, you know, 95% of the cases, uh, you know, can be explained away as weather balloons or whatever you like. But, of course, that still leaves uh, the 5% of very, very mystifying uh, cases. Uh, I mean, I, I remember reading uh, fairly recently, um, you know, uh, articles written by the um, heads of the uh, Belgian and Brazilian air forces, you know, which basically said, you know, our people are seeing things. Um, we wish the United States would share what they know about it, but they're not telling us anything at all. Now, you know, when, when you're talking about the head of a, you know, an air force of a major nation, you know, you're getting to the point of uh, beyond, uh, you know, crackpot theories. Um, well, the other thing to bear in mind, too, is when they start worrying about what the U.S. knows and why that information isn't being shared, 
it has an implication, which is that there is information to be shared of some significance. Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, uh, and, um, you know, that's precisely, you know, the, the question that, uh, uh, you know, can't be answered. You know, the, uh, you know, it's, it seems fairly clear that, uh, at a fairly early point in the whole UFO phenomenon, the, uh, U.S. government, you know, made a point to, um, downplay and discredit any belief in UFOs. Um, and, you know, it, as far as I know, it still does. But, um, you know, they're, they're, we're now at a point where, you know, a lot of people have seen something or another. None of the explanations are really all that great, uh, you know, when you get right down to it. The idea that, you know, this, there's really some kind of, uh, you know, wh where would these extraterrestrials come from? Well, the other thing here, there. which puts it, the cart before the horse here, is are they extraterrestrials to begin with before we even speculate mm -hmm. as to where they might come from? We have Richard Smalley joining us, author of Supernatural. You're with Gene, you're with Chris, you're in... The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed, but if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout will knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free. All for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866 716 5214. 866 716 5214. Afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. Looking back on 2012, I know personally I'm thanking God that my family and I made it through the year. From natural disasters like Hurricane Sandy and the devastating summer drought to the family hardships brought on by a disastrous economy, our hearts go out to those that have lost everything. My friends at eFoods Direct hear from customers every day that are fortunate to weather life's storm by having a supply of food on hand. Danny from New York City wrote in following Hurricane Sandy and said, Almost all the grocery stores are closed, but I managed to get my eFoods just in time to be able to help my sister. 
doctor and my niece. Bottom line, it's better to be prepared 10 years too early than one day too late. Heed Common Sense's warning and do what I've done. Call 800-409-5633 today or go to efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. They have the best tasting long-term storable food on the planet. Call 800-409-5633 and ask about the Alex Jones special or go to efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. Get self-sufficient today. Call 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast with Richard Smalley. And the question here that was raised, where would these extraterrestrials come from? And I mentioned to Richard, and you could respond to what I said, why even assume if they are real that they are necessarily extraterrestrial? Well, you're, you're right about that. Um, you know, the explanations that kind of posit that they come from, you know, someplace on our planet uh, don't seem terribly convincing either. Um, to my mind, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the debunkers are right in that, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot, any of the explanations we can kind of think of are unsatisfying, but, you know, we're still seeing something and, and our people are still seeing something. And, you know, we, we have to, uh, you know, give that some kind of uh, respect or, or uh, honor. And it's not just seeing things. There are real photographs. There is trace evidence. We have one researcher, Ted Phillips, who's collected a lot of that trace evidence and has explored it. In fact, he may be on the Paracast soon. He got in touch with me very recently about having more information to present. The point being that something is being seen. It seems to be metallic. It seems to be capable of rapid maneuvers. It seems to land... Sometimes they see creatures or entities in connection with it, so what might it be? There's a story out this week that now they have found evidence of a possible small planet, Earth-like planet, 13 light years away, and that's a tremendous distance to us. But if that civilization's a couple of thousand years ahead of us, it may just be a walk down the street. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, and I think it, it uh, goes back to, you know, one reason that, that I think we're you know, so interested in this area to begin with in, in, in that, um, we have this kind of very strong intuition that reality is more than it appears. And, uh, there's a real hunger for exploration of that and a desire to, you know, okay, well, what, what is all this stuff? Um, and, 
you know, a lot of times the answers are kind of very speculative or, uh, you know, a bit strange, but I think there is that human desire to know, and, uh, you know, I think that's very legitimate and it needs to be honored. Let me throw you a wacky theory out there since I'm pretty good at wacky theories, and that is, what if the presence of UFOs and similar mysteries is designed primarily to make us think about the possibilities they present? Well, that's an interesting, no, that, that's definitely an interesting uh, um, uh, point of view. Of course, it, it leaves you with the question of, like, uh, who is, is, is creating these mysteries, but uh, it's definitely... Uh, you know, uh, possibility. You know, this is an area where there are not too many many possibilities that that are easy to rule out, like um, you know, right away. Well, we can't rule out anything, but think of it this way: if there's a collective unconscious that can create UFOs that mm-hmm. seem to be as much as we can detect real, maybe that collective unconscious is controlling our destiny as we move towards the future. Well, maybe time yeah. doesn't exist. In that well, other may- world. maybe we're trying to pull ourselves off planet. Maybe there's uh-huh. some sort of collective imperative going on. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, so, you know, but I, I think, you know, is there, I, I think we have to at least kind of give ourselves permission to, you know, think about these things and to do so in a way that's kind of neither, uh, you know, mindlessly skeptical nor, um, mindlessly believing, uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, there are certainly a lot of mindless believers, but there are also a lot of mindless skeptics out there. And, oh, boy. Um, you know, I think, you know, really, uh, you know, I think a, a mature kind of sober view of that, assuming that this is what you want, um, you know, of, of this whole situation is, is uh, somewhere in between. Well, I think one of the things we are always hoping for, which never seems to happen in the UFO field, is we go back to the beginning, because they've been doing this for 50, 60 years now. Oh, there are spaceships or whatever. It is, okay, let's start from scratch. Let's look at this case with a fresh viewpoint and say, okay, we have this phenomenon of 5 or 10% of the sightings we can identify. Let's take a look at what we know about those and start again to look for solutions. But right now, as soon as we got wind of something that seems to fly faster than we can fly, it had to be ET, and that's the end of it. And it you know, I mean, the, the one kind of uh, hypothesis that's often advanced is that, well, you know, at the very least, the government is not going to be too thrilled uh, about the revelation that it's it's not capable of defending its own air, uh, airspace. Like control uh, issues. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's. You know, you you have to be, yeah, if there are such things that are really uh, flying around that we can't do anything about, um, the Air Force is probably not too thrilled to have to admit it. Well, of course they won't. That Also, it's a question of how will the population react. So right. if they know something, they have this guilty knowledge that something's going on, whatever the answer is, if you reveal that information, what portion of the population is impacted? What portion of private industry is impacted? What about the political ramifications in dealings with other countries? And uh, you know, I, I think the, there's there's obviously this this strong uh, uh, body of opinion that uh, seems to hold that life is complicated enough, and uh, you know, let's just not go there. What about um, looking backwards through history? Reports of flying craft throughout history. Did you 
get a chance or have you had a chance to look into those stories? Um, yeah, I don't, um, you know, I don't know a great deal about them. Um, you know, there certainly have been, you know, things like, you know, Elijah's, uh, uh, fiery chariot and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. To, to what extent they really resemble UFOs as we know them, um, you know, kind of remains to be seen. It's, uh, well, I, 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 pardon me for interrupting, but, uh, uh Jacques Vallée and, uh, his most recent book, uh, uh, Wonders, uh, what's it called, Jane? Uh, Wonders of Things Seen in the Sky, which is a compendium of, of UFO reports, uh, predating, uh, humans' ability to fly. Uh, he wrote a whole book, uh, that delineated out some really incredible sighting reports that were fairly well documented down through history. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm certainly entirely uh, capable of believing that that, that's happened. I haven't, you know, I don't have uh, enough information to, like, really have an informed opinion uh, about what it might actually be. You know, I'm, again, going back to Jung and saying, yeah, well, (laughs) people are seeing something, but one doesn't know what. That book, by the way, Wonders in the Sky, written by Jacques Vallée and Chris Aubeck, and their publisher is the same as your publisher, Richard. Oh, Tarcher? Yes. Oh, okay, good, good. Let me cut in here for a minute. I, I just want to tell our listeners that your book has really excited me, and it's going to be on my bedstand, and I'm going to be annotating it and and underlining things and uh, really digesting some of these wonderful pearls of wisdom that you've uh, been able, in a very effortless way, to elucidate uh, to, the, to the reader. Uh, your economy of style... And your directness, uh, you're one of the, the finest writers that we've ever had on this program. And I want to be the first one to congratulate you on this very, very, it, it, it's an important book, I think, for any seeker out there that's, that's in any way, shape or form, um, motivated to really look at these questions and, Gain some insight. You've done a, just an admirable job of, of putting down your thoughts in a very concise manner. And my hat's off to you and, and, and really much luck in, in, in this book. And, and I, I want to recommend it heartily to all our listeners out there. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your saying that. That's, uh, that's, uh, um, really good to hear and that's uh, very encouraging. And again, ladies and gentlemen, just to tell you before we do our final segment, the book is called Supernatural Writings on an unknown history, a bunch of papers by Richard Smoley. I want to ask him also a little bit about Da Vinci Code stuff because we have the movies and the Dan Brown books and all that stuff that I want to hear about. But as I said before, this is a classy book printed in an old-fashioned style, and I think you're just going to love looking at the book, real paper, real printing, and then you read it, and it's a real treat. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple, with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today Fall in love with food storage savings this February at BePrepared.com. Going on now, BePrepared.com saves you over $300 with a premium 1600 one-year supply, including 126 cans of freeze-dried and dehydrated food. Or get the new gourmet 14-day food supply with a full 2,000 calories per day with pre-planned menu. Stroganoff and noodles are 20% off with purchase of six or more. Mountain House pork chops are back in stock at 34% off. Pack your own low-moisture foods with our new do-it-yourself super pale combo on sale at 22% off. Add to your preparedness with minor surgery kits at 15% off. And wool blended blankets are only $11.89. The February Fall in Love with Savings Sale ends February 28th at BePrepared.com. For contents and details, visit BePrepared.com or call 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com.
Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. With Richard Smalley on the Paracast, his book is Supernatural. Gene and Chris, we only have one segment left, so I just took this chapter at random. You have a chapter here where you cover secrets of the Da Vinci Code, and of course we think of the movie and the best-selling novel. So in the practical world, what secrets should we be interested in? Uh, you mean uh, in, um, in the Da Vinci Code or just in general? In general, about the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> oh, um, well, I think, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of debunking done, uh, you know, of a lot of things Dan Brown says, and, you know, I think rightly so, although, uh, you know, in his defense, I mean, he is writing a book of fiction, so he's, you know, really entitled to, you know, made up everything in it. Oh, he does say based on. Well, he didn't make up everything. He, uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, uh, the authors of that book actually sued him for plagiarism, but continue. Well, yeah, but I, you know, I, I, my impression was that, that, that suit was a little bit of a publicity stunt, uh, in, in and of itself, but I, I, I don't know, I don't know that from being, uh, being. You think paid. it sells more books if you're being sued? Well, you know, and it's certainly, uh, if, if you're the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, uh, you know, it... And uh, three people have bought your book, and now you have this best-selling book using similar ideas. Yeah. Um, and, no, the, I think Holy Blood, Holy Grail actually sold quite well. Well, there are a lot of things to say about the Da Vinci Code. Um, I, you know, one of the ones that's most interesting is its claim toward the end of uh, the book that we're uh, witnessing some kind of resurgence of the divine feminine. And that's, you know, a major point he makes in it um, with Mary Magdalene and, you know, all sorts of other things that, you know, would, uh, you know, want to ruin the plot for the one or two people who left who haven't actually read it. But um, um, this kind of resurgence of the divine feminine is kind of interesting. Um, I find it interesting because, yeah, there's in a way there's supposed you could say there's a resurgence of the divine feminine. I mean, you know, you know, there's you know, churches are uh, trying to avoid you know what's considered to be sexist language and that sort of thing. But um, you know what? You know, anything, any values that you know would typically be considered feminine um, are really not on the the uh, upsurge in our society. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, I mean, what we're seeing is kind of this, you know, this constant, uh, increasing, um, drive for the power motive and the profit motive. And, you know, you know, all these values that were, you know, traditionally seen as feminine is like, you know, yeah, where are they? Uh, where is this resurgence of the divine feminine? Now, and, and I, I think that's one thing that makes the book interesting because it points to an incredible longing for a lot of these things. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it's uh, a quite debatable whether, you know, we're actually seeing anything um, like this resurgence that he's talking about, but I think there's an enormous thirst for it. And uh, I think that was one of the most interesting things about the book for me. Yeah, the whole subject of the Black Madonna, I think... Um... I mean that's worthy almost of an entire Paracast show. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean you know the you know as as you know uh, you know the, the figure of Mary in uh, Christianity, uh, Catholicism particularly, uh, you know has just continued to grow in importance uh, 
you know, from, you know, the, the, the first century AD, you know, nobody, you know, paid any particular special attention to Mary, but as, uh, the years went on and the centuries went on, you know, she became more and more, uh, important a figure. And, you know, she, uh, you know, if you just go by the number of Marian sightings there have been, I mean, you know, she's, she's, uh, certainly more, uh, uh, important to many people than Jesus or, or God. Well, we should also differentiate between Mary, the mother of Jesus in the, uh, Christian tradition and the Magdalene right. who, According to you know, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and revisionist uh, conspiratorial thinking, uh, Mary Magdalene was the wife uh, of Christ, the Black Madonna. But that gets into a whole <laughs> other matriarchal sort of subject that I don't think we have time to cover. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, on the face of it, there's no particular reason to believe that Jesus wasn't married. Um, uh, you know, it was certainly kind of the standard practice for Jewish men in his era. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the chief reason that people, scholars, don't believe Jesus was married is that, you know, when, you know, like in, in the epistles and whatnot, um, you know, they're debating about married and that sort of being married, uh, you know, no one's saying, well, Jesus was married, you know, which is an argument, you know, had it been true, they would have, you know, been willing to make. I don't know how much you want to hang on that particular point, but that is a case that, that's made sometimes. Um, Mary Magdalene is, is you know, um, like Jesus herself, like Mary, is in many ways, uh, Mary, the mother of Christ, uh, is a Rorschach blot. Um uh, there's a great deal that um, is not known about her, and, you know, the way her attitudes toward her have changed, uh, you know, over the centuries, you know, probably don't tell us too much about Mary Magdalene or who she really was, because, you know, I'm not sure anyone you know, is going to find that out anytime soon, but it's certainly interesting in saying, like, what people's cultural aspirations are and what, uh, you know, the you know, how they see women and how they think women are supposed to be seen. You know, when, you know, Mary Magdalene has sort of gone from this, you know, repentant whore to, you know, Jesus's wife to this advanced mystical adept. Um, you know, I mean, it, what does it say? It says, it says a great deal about, you know, the role of women in, in our culture and, and how they want to be seen. Does it, does it say anything about who Mary Magdalene was really, uh, way back when? Not really, because there just isn't too much evidence about it one way or the other. I'll let you take it from there, Gene. You just want to get me in trouble, my friend. That's all. <laughs> and this, I have no opinion. I'm Jewish, so I have no opinion about that. <laughs> but I, the thing is here, why do we have such trouble figuring out what happened then? I mean, we debate what happened. I guess we debate what happened last week on the 24-7 cable news shows. So how can we be sure what happened 1,500 or 2,000 years ago? Uh, how do we get it right? It's impossible. Well, yeah, it's, it, that, that's, that's, uh, you know, I think that's very true. And it, the, given that we're going to kind of paint, uh, you know, our own picture of, uh, you know, this kind of mythic event in, uh, uh, you know, Western history, um, you know, it, it, it tells, you know, at the very least, it's going to tell us something about ourselves. You know, it may not, you know, uh, tell us a great deal about, you know, who these people really were or what they were about. Uh, I mean, scholars themselves, you know, people who've really, you know, even conventional academic scholars, you know, come up with, 
you know, very, very different pictures of uh, what was going on back then. Um, and, you know, they say a lot about more about their preconceptions and prejudices than they, they do about the evidence, which is, is pretty scant. So I think, you know, at the very least, that kind of, uh, you know, serves as a call for at least some kind of humility about what we may conclude about these things. Of course, you know, so much has been hung on, you know, the historicity of the gospel account and whether Jesus was really resurrected and so on, you know, that for a lot of people, this is, uh, you know, this is a vital matter of faith that they can't, like, really feel they can afford not to take a position on, you know, as little as they know about it, as little as anybody knows about it. Right, and in in the modern age, you're looking at, you know, having to suspend uh, disbelief and abductions, uh, cryptozoological creatures like the Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, Barack Obama. I mean, it doesn't matter where <laughs> where you look in the modern age, you have to have a sense of belief that everything is going the way it should. And uh, we all have to trust that we're moving in a positive direction when, in fact, the facts kind of show that uh, maybe things are a little bit more in upheaval than maybe we would like to think. Richard Smalley, where can we find more of the stuff you do? Well, uh, my books are available on uh, Amazon and similar sources and uh, bookstores uh, many places. My website, richardsmoley.com, has a a list of them, so you can look there and explore uh, various other works of mine. Um, That would be one place to go. Okay. And we can find Chris O'Brien at OurStrangePlanet.com. That's OurStrangePlanet.com. you find us at TheParacast.com. TheParacast.com. Richard Smoley, thanks for joining us on The Paracast. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.